0: Here's what's true of all of us this morning. Our present situation is the result of our past choices. Our present situation is the result of our past choices. We are living with the results of our past decisions. The good, the bad, and the ugly, for better or worse, the decisions we made last week, last month, last year, last decade, those decisions contribute to our present reality. Of course, everything's not in our control. And if you're living trying to control everything, you're miserable. So everything's not under our control. We experience positives and negatives in our life that just happened to us, and there's not much that we can do about that. Now with that said, much of our present is the result of our past decisions. Who we dated, who we married, where we went to school, what we studied, how we invested, how we saved, how we spent, the job we took, the job we turned down, how we took care of our health, who we allowed into our life, who we decided to distance ourselves from, how we treated other people, our decisions surrounding honesty, integrity, work ethic, and time management, and of course, the decision to follow Christ. We are living today with the results of our past choices. I don't know if there are any high school or college students in here, but I would want our high school and college students to know this morning that there are people in this room that you think back to decisions that you made in high school, and you are thankful that you decided the way that you did in high school. And I think all of us would say we wish we could have a few do-overs. Most of us can laugh. But some of us in here, there is a weight that we carry into this place. There have been sleepless nights. You find your mind drifting to the what-ifs of the past. What if you had decided differently? Here's what I want for you. I want this for our church family. We cannot go back, but we can look ahead. There's a real life enemy who would love for you and I to live our life looking in the rear view mirror, constantly marinating on the what ifs, the pain and the mistakes we made in the past. But we serve a forward looking God. So today as we sit here, you and I, we cannot do much about the decisions we made in the past, but here's what I want for us today. I want you and I to be able to look back at 2021 and feel good about the decisions we make now. I want you to look back at your 2021 decisions with peace in your heart. I want you to make your decisions with confidence. I want you to not regret your 2021 decisions. I want you to experience deep satisfaction and God's joy and God's version of an abundant life. I do not want you to settle for mediocrity. I do not want us to settle for less than God's best. So this is where we pick up our Sunday morning message series, Going the Distance. Going the Distance. Our series centers on what Paul wrote to early Christ followers who were part of the church in the ancient city of Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 and 25. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last Forever. Forever. (laughs) I think it's great how Paul uses a sports analogy. Paul uses sports to help us understand a spiritual truth. And here's something you can use right away. Next time you hear a sports analogy, and we use them all the time in our culture today, you might say in business, we want to get this deal over the finish line, the ball's in their court, we drop the ball. Next time you hear someone use a sports analogy, you can say, hey, did you know that sports analogies are God's idea? They'll look at you and they'll say, really? Yes. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 24 and 25. Paul uses a sports analogy to help us understand a spiritual truth. Go the distance. Part of running your life race well is making good decisions, good big decisions, good little decisions. Creating people to be decision makers, that was God's idea. God created you to be a decision maker. And I'm so thankful that God does not leave us on our own to make decisions. Jesus actually said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Our Heavenly Father gives us a coach, a coach. Paul used a sports analogy to help us understand a spiritual truth. Let's take this one step further. We need a coach. We need a coach. What does a good coach do? What does a good coach do? A good coach wants the best for you. A good coach has valuable Knowledge. A good coach motivates you to push beyond your comfort zone and encourages you to keep going when you feel like giving up. A good coach has a long range view. A good coach knows that pain today leads to victory tomorrow. A good coach understands how one player is essential to the mission of the overall team. A good coach is aware of the tactics that the opponent is going to use to try to defeat you. A good coach does not compromise integrity for short-term gain. A good coach protects his players. With that concept of a good coach in mind, I want you to look with me at what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. John chapter 15, verses 26 and 27. Jesus says, I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. The advocate, paraclete, Comforter, encourager, counselor. Sounds a lot like a good coach. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, of course. The moment that you decide, the moment that you make a personal decision to declare Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, to reside in you. And Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will testify about me your translation may read something like, bear witness. Well, to testify or bear witness is to give evidence or proof. When you experience Christ working in you and through you, that is evidence of your connection to Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3.16, God's Spirit dwells in you. God's Spirit dwells in you. Jesus also said this, John chapter 10, beginning in verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. For my Father has given them to me. He is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. Pastor and I were talking about this message, this series, Going the Distance. And here's some great insight that the Pastor passed along to me this week in some handwritten notes. The pastor makes this observation Verse 27 is the key to an abundant life. Let's go back and look at verse 27. Verse 27, the key to an abundant life. My sheep listen to my voice, Jesus says. I know them and they follow me. If we get this right, we experience God's version, the best version of an abundant life. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Those who go the distance are those who love Jesus and make the decision to honor him. So my encouragement to you this morning, desire the leadership of Christ above all other loyalties. Desire the leadership of Christ above all other loyalties. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Listen to and follow in the original language are written in a present tense, which indicates a repeated activity, a habit. Make it a habit to listen for Jesus' directions and then do what he says. Think back to pre-COVID. Feels like a long time ago. I had my phone open and I was trying to find some pictures from a couple years ago, and I actually started to feel a little depressed as I looked at what life looked at before all this happened. And I want you to imagine with me, back to pre-COVID, and I want you to picture a local high school basketball arena on the night of a rivalry basketball game. Crosstown rival. The gym is packed with students, parents, the band, people from the community, it's loud. The team comes off the court, the home team, they come off the court from their, their warm-up. and they can hear the energy in the arena outside as it's approaching game time. And the coach gives a pregame speech, and he says, when you get out there tonight, there's gonna be a lot of noise. The band is gonna be playing, The students are going to be cheering. There's going to be some parents who are going to stand along the railing of the back and are going to think that they know what to do and they're going to give you instructions. No one's ever been that parent in here, right? Trying to coach from the stands or referee from the stands. The other team, their fans are going to be heckling you. And the coach says, there's going to be a lot of noise out there. And he says to his team, above all the noise, I need you to to listen for one voice, my voice. And those of you who have played sports, if you've ever had the privilege to play in a packed arena, you've experienced this. Somehow you can be in an uh, arena that is filled with noise. And above all the noise, you can pick out the voice of your coach guiding and directing you on the court, the field, the rink, whatever it may be. There's a lot of noise, my friends, around you and me today. A lot of voices that we could listen to. A lot of directions that you and I could go. Jesus says there is one voice that you need to listen for above all the rest. So you might be sitting here thinking or watching online this morning thinking, yes, I want to listen to Jesus' voice and I want to follow his directions, but but how? How do we hear Jesus? Well, if you're in relationship with Christ, if you live pursuing him, you are connected to your heavenly father, to Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You hear Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this, John chapter 14 verse 26, the Helper, capital H, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. You may have wondered, how did the disciples, who we now would call the apostles, how did they remember all the quotes of Jesus to write down so they could be in our New Testament? Did they carry around with like a reporter's notepad jotting down what he said? I don't think so. Here is a clue to how the disciples remembered what to write down. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance all that he said. The Holy Spirit brought to remembrance the words of Jesus for the disciples who contributed to writing scripture. The Holy Spirit guided the writing of Scripture then, and today the Holy Spirit helps us use and understand the Scripture. The Holy Spirit is our helper. When we read the Bible, when we gather together like this to study the Bible, the Holy Spirit seals the word in our heart and in our mind. We're talking about going the distance, making good decisions, decisions we'll make today and not regret tomorrow. The Holy Spirit helps believers remember what Jesus said when it's time to make a decision. The Holy Spirit helps believers remember what Jesus said when it's time to make a decision. Let's do a few examples. So you're watching your screen, either a screen that's mounted on the wall or a screen that you're holding in your hand and let's just say you're watching something and you see a little bit too much skin and in that moment you remember that jesus said anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart so you have a decision moment do i keep on watching or do i turn it off Here's another example. You make a promise. You say that you're going to be there. And on the day that it's time to be there, something that feels like a better opportunity comes along. And you think, maybe I'm going to abandon my original commitment and go do whatever feels like the more fun option on the day that it's time to follow through. Then you remember that Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. So then in those moments, and we've all been there, we have a decision to make. How good is our yes? When we say yes, can people count on our yes? Can other people trust your yes and my yes? How about one more? You're in a situation with family and friends, friends and they start pressuring you about your Christian faith, and they start challenging you, or maybe even criticizing you because you decided to be a Jesus follower. And in that moment, it may be easier for you and me to downplay our faith and just go along to get along. And then you remember that Jesus said, Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. Whoever disowns me before men, I will disown before my Father. So decision moment decision moment the Holy Spirit brings to remembrance what Jesus said in that moment and you and I have to decide am I going to stand with Jesus in this moment or am I going to turn my back on him there are also moments when we have to make a decision and it's not obvious that one choice is right and the other is wrong in fact it may feel like there are two or even more good options for insight here let's look at what happened to Paul briefly After the death and resurrection of Christ, Paul used to hate Christians, and then he became a Christian. And he launched into this effort, planting churches throughout the Roman Empire. As Paul is traveling, starting churches, look at what happens, Acts chapter 16, verse six. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. The Holy Spirit prevented Paul and his team from heading towards the province of Asia. That would be modern day Turkey. Do people in Asia province, did they need to hear about Jesus? Yes. But Paul is so sensitive to the Holy Spirit that he is clear that God is telling him, don't go that way. Then it happens again. Verses seven and eight. Then coming to the borders of Mysia. They headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Holy Spirit did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went through Mycenae to the seaport of Troas. It wasn't border guards. It wasn't that they didn't have the right paperwork. It wasn't that they didn't have the plane ticket. It was the Holy Spirit that did not allow them to go in that direction. Paul made a plan, he started following the plan, and then the Holy Spirit changed the plan. The Holy Spirit may disrupt and redirect plans made with your good intentions. The Holy Spirit may disrupt and redirect plans made with your good intentions. And some of you are thinking, been there, done that. You made plans, you prayed about the plans, you started pursuing those plans. And then at some point, you had this clear check inside of you. Even though it all looked good, even though it felt good, even though it was aligned with God's word, you distinctly sense the spirit dwelling inside of you, directing. Go there or don't go there. Wait or don't wait. End the relationship or fight for the relationship. Or even something as silly as turn left instead of turn right. Some of you have experienced this you sensed the Holy Spirit saying, go a different way than you usually go. In that moment, you have thought, this doesn't even make sense. Path A or, or path B doesn't even really matter. But then possibly, days, weeks, months, or even years later, the curtain was pulled back and you saw why God directed you the way that he directed you. There was something that was happening behind the scenes. You didn't see it, but God saw it. He knew it was there, and he protected you. There was a window of opportunity closing, and you sensed that you had a lot of time, but the Spirit prompted you, take action now. And you see now that if you had not acted when you acted, things would have turned out very differently. Or this feels more common. God deposits a dream in our heart. And we want that dream to happen now. We're ready. God, I've sensed your promise and I'm ready for it. And then we wait. And then we wait. And we wait. And we're like, God, is this ever going to happen? And then when it does come to pass, again, the curtain is pulled back. And we understand why God waited until the moment that he did for him to bring that dream about. So back to Paul. Paul, the Holy Spirit says, Don't go here, don't go there. Paul's hanging out in Troas now. All right, God, here I am. He said, Don't go there, don't go there. God, where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to go? Here's what happened Acts 16, verses 9 and 10. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So, we decided to leave Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Quick note, if you see in verse 10 there, it says, we decided, we decided. This, this inclusive word, we who wrote the book of Acts? Luke. So this indicates that at this point, Luke had probably caught up with Paul and is now traveling with him. So we, he's including himself in this, we decided to leave for Macedonia at once. You see, Paul planned to go towards Asia, or Asia province. The Holy Spirit says no. Then God gives Paul a vision to go towards Macedonia. Church, i got to be honest. Here's where this pierces my spirit Here's what's challenging to me. Am I sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit to hear him say no? Am I sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit to be able to distinguish his direction? And then, am I bold enough to act upon the Spirit's direction even when it doesn't make sense? For Paul, we sure are thankful that he was obedient and sensitive in that moment. This is the moment that we call the Macedonian call. Macedonia is a gateway to Europe and historians actually say this decision was a launching point for the spread of the Christian faith in Europe and the Western world. Well, Western world, guess what? That's us. Isn't it incredible that we might possibly be able to trace the fact that we are followers of Christ today in 2021 in Salem, Oregon, all the way back to the decision that Paul made in that moment to go towards Macedonia instead of go towards Asia Province, Turkey? Worship team, I'm going to invite you to come up as we get ready to close. Here's a parallel truth between the concept of a good coach and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants the best for you. The Holy Spirit has valuable knowledge and wisdom. The Holy Spirit motivates you to push beyond your comfort zone and encourages you to keep on going when you feel like giving up. The Holy Spirit has a long range view, knowing that today's pain leads to tomorrow's victory the Holy Spirit understands how essential you are to the overall mission the Holy Spirit is aware of what the opponent will try to do to attempt to defeat you distract you or sideline you the Holy Spirit does not compromise integrity for a short-term gain with all that said As good as the Holy Spirit is, you're the one in the game. I'm the one in the game. You have to decide, are we going to follow through on the Spirit's direction or are we going to just do it our way? A coach's direction is only valuable if the athlete lives out what the coach instructs. You have the responsibility to train and prepare. You have the responsibility to cut out the junk and the bad habits that will ruin your game. The coach can tell you where to stand, where you're going to get the pass from. The coach can give you all the technique, but you're the one that has to take the shot. Paul said, Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Here are real life ways to live with the Holy Spirit's leadership six E's. We're going to go rapid fire. your little pencils ready exchange small thoughts for God's plan exchange small thoughts for God's plan expect opposition when you pursue God expect opposition when you pursue God exercise your every effort toward the plan God's given you exercise Exhibit, exhibit an attitude of trust and loyalty daily to Jesus. Are you keeping up? Number five, extend, extend a hand to others around you who need help, extend. And the last one, exclude, exclude negative thoughts and thinkers in your inner circle. Someone in this room, you know that the Holy Spirit has instructed you to take action, but for some reason you've been holding back. What you need to hear from your Heavenly Father today is it's time to take the shot. Go for it. Today's the day. Someone else in this room, you know the discipline God wants you to develop in your life, not to punish you or to prepare you. There's junk that He wants you to cut out, positive habits He wants you to develop. The Holy Spirit will be your encourager, but it's up to you to make the commitment. I'm gonna invite you to bow your heads with me for just a moment. Father in heaven, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we're here today to declare that we want the Holy Spirit to lead us. We want to make decisions with confidence. We want to live without regret. We want to experience, Father, the deep satisfaction that comes from you. We want to experience joy. We want to experience your version of an abundant life. Father, it's our desire not to settle for mediocrity. It's our desire to not settle for any less than your best. It's our desire to have great peace surrounding our decisions, and not waste away our precious life filled with anxiety about the what-ifs. Father, thank you for not leaving us as orphans to make decisions under our own wisdom. Thank you for the wisdom and knowledge that comes from the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us. Father, thank you for sending your Son Thank you for the promise that your son gave us, that there would be another helper on the way, an advocate, a counselor, an encourager. Father, may we hear that voice above all others. In Jesus' name.